Petersfield's Shine Radio. Shine Radio's Growing Together with Claire Venice and Steve Amos is sponsored by DeMello and Company. Financial advice for you, your family and your future. Hello and Happy New Year. Thanks for joining us in Growing Together. I'm Claire Venice. And I'm Steve Amos. And we thought we'd put together a selection of our favourite interviews from last year, didn't we, Steve? We did. And some to feel inspired for the coming year ahead. There's some great people that we met throughout the year last year. And we'd just like to share them with you as the year begins. So we start off with uh, Francis Tophill. Then we go to the Chelsea Flower Show, where I met with Lee Connolly, the skinny jean gardener, and Daisy Desire, Tom Leonard. And then we go on to speak to Lucy Hutchins at Gardener's World Live, and Lee Johnson otherwise known as the Beardy Gardener, who we met at Hampton Court. We did. And at the end of the year, it was the BBC Gardener's World Autumn Fair at Orgley End. And there we met with Lucy Chamberlain, Kelly Fowler and Gemma Sturgis. We hope you enjoy listening to this special edition of Growing Together. We'll be back, Steve. In a couple of weeks' time. And looking forward to a great 2024 with lots of trips and some cracking interviews. Me too. Can't wait to be back at your plot at the Adhurst Estate allotment soon, Steve. Well, I'm at the BBC Gardener's World Spring Fair in Bewley and I'm sat with a lovely Frances Tophill. Hello, Frances. Hello. Very nice to see you again. Yeah, a whole year's gone by. It's incredible. <laughs> Another gardening year has gone by. I just wanted to say how lovely it was to see you hosting Gardener's World recently. How was that for you? Thank you for saying that. Um, <laughs> it was terrifying and extremely honouring in equal measure, I'd say. I mean, I've, I've done it before with Arit and with Nick, um, in tandem, but I, I believe I'm right in saying I'm the first ever solo female, which is quite an amazing honour, really. So yeah, yeah, pretty proud and also terrified. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> well, congratulations! It was really enjoyable and so nice to find out a bit about you and your gardening background. Yeah. And that you now, of course, have your own small little garden as well as your allotment space. Yeah, I, I kept saying this on the programme, I was like, oh, it's really small. And actually, I was thinking about it. For me, it's actually quite a decent size. 10 by 9 metres is pretty good, you know, much bigger than my allotment. And um, a bigger space, you know, if ever I've rented before, it's always been really small little courtyards. So actually, it's, it's, a, it's a good size space to work with. But it is a normal size space. It's, it's, a, it's a small garden by comparison to a lot of other people. So, yeah, I'm, I'm really excited to see it progress. How are you going to work out the two spaces then, the allotment space and the home space? Are they going to potentially merge a little bit or are you going to keep them separate in regards to what you grow there? Um, there will always be some merging because I love growing edibles and I also feel that they are very underrated as an ornamental. You know, a lot of edibles are really stunning and somehow just because you can eat them they get overlooked. So there will be emerging um what i'm really really interested in is herbs and useful plants in that sense and on the allotment i do grow some herbs but there'll probably be more medical herbs things like elecampane and echinacea and stuff like that which would feel like a little bit of a waste of space to grow them on an allotment so there'll be probably more of that in the garden but i've got kind of plans for an edible meadow kind of prairie thing um, because one of the main problems I have is the size of it, but also how overlooked the, the fences are very low. And it's lovely because I get on really well with my neighbours, but I kind of want to merge that 
background. So if I, I, I'm kind of thinking if I go from short grass to taller grasses at the edge as a boundary, you won't see the boundary. So it could be somewhere bigger. That's my, that's my plan. That's my design. Actually, currently. It, was, it was interesting hearing you say about merging the grass on mm. the on the program on Gardener's World because that's something that I think I want to do that in my garden. Have a lawn, and then you have. The, the beds yeah and there's a lot of talk and obviously we're coming into may no mo may about letting your lawn grow a little bit longer and last year i did that and i let it stay like that pretty mm-hmm. much all the way throughout until it needed cutting down later in the summer yeah but to merge it so that it looks nice yeah i mean i i've always struggled my training is sort of very formal and lots of historic gardening the salutation gardens and then edinburgh botanics and the the tradition is to have grass then edged, then bed. And this idea was always sold to me as like, if you want it to look natural, then create a wavy edge. And it's like, no, that does not look natural. It looks just as unnatural as a straight one. And so I have a bit of an issue with it. And I want to experiment with with that emergence of not having an edge at all. But there is obviously an awareness that things like cooch grass will stray into the beds and you'll have to keep on top of that weeding. But I just want to try and play with that boundary and, and make it actually natural and not just a natural looking but very cut formal edge that I was trained to do so yeah it's an experiment I'm Mm. sure it'll actually probably be more maintenance than just edging it (laughs) (laughs) but I imagine the wildlife will like it more (laughs) yeah yeah and it will look better that's and in a small space you know hate to say it but it's all about aesthetic isn't it you've got to sit out there and not be looking around going oh god that's awful you know so actually having something that looks really neat and and like I said blurry just will hopefully be a little bit of a haven. Lovely I can see the sun shining on it now. (laughs) Fingers crossed. (laughs) Now here at the fair the theme this year is plot to plate about growing your own. There's been a lot in the news recently about food poverty and people are probably thinking about growing their own. That, that's something that's quite close to your heart as well. Yeah, massively. I mean, I, at the moment, I'm working as a grower um, in a market garden as my day job. So growing food is just something I feel very passionate about and have always had allotments. And as I said, I've always grown edibles in amongst I remember my first ever screen test when I started on Love Your Garden when I was 23. I had to bring a little project to do and all I brought was a strawberry that I bought from Wilco. (laughs) (laughs) And I stuck it in a flower bed and I said, I really like growing edibles in amongst ornamentals. And that was it. (laughs) So I've always had this, obviously. It's a a long-term thing. And I just think the ability to grow your own health really is so important you know it's really empowering I I think a lot of people over centuries have been disempowered to grow you know even in the old days Gertrude Jekyll would she invented the cottage garden and that was based on peasant gardens around the Surrey landscape of the the poorest people in society that had their little cottage with a plot that was solely turned over to food production you know in in the second world war we had to dig for victory and everyone was given a, a space to grow on Um, We don't have that now. So few people have access to land that they can grow on and that's something I feel is really an injustice actually Um, because it's all well and good to tell people to grow their own food for helping with their food poverty but how do people do that unless they have a bit of space to do that on? Um, I do think it's really important and I do think it's really empowering for people and I also think food tastes a lot better when you've grown it yourself. It also doesn't come in a plastic bag, you know, it also hasn't come halfway across the world 
so for so many reasons it's a great thing to be able to produce your own food and i think we really need to start thinking about how we can put the infrastructure in place for people to to do that important point because i think a lot of people did go back to gardening or discover gardening during lockdown Mm. and i know allotment spaces were really sought after how do you propose that, that we could find more land to help people who would like to grow well i think there is a lot of land i i, I suppose re redesignating the use of land is a really important thing i i'm a firm believer in community gardening i've done a lot of work in community gardens over my time as a gardener and empowering people is partly about connecting people because collectively we have a lot more feeling of power and voice if we use it than just on our own in our little sound bubble that we can all feel that we're in and I think in Covid that was also really highlighted that there were people who were incredibly isolated but then a lot of people who created little communal spaces in alleyways behind their houses and were able to sit socially distanced and connect with their neighbours in a way that they hadn't before and I think using public land like parks guerrilla gardening you know there are lots of spaces around our towns and cities um, that are not used road verges even you know there's a lot of talk about you know letting road verges be wildflower which I firmly believe is is right but also there are spaces on there that could be safely turned into little growing plots for not necessarily individuals but for communities to work on together and I think if you empower people to to grow and to take some ownership over a bit of public land my very idealistic view is that people will step up to that and maintain it and feel a pride in it rather than just having bits of of grass which you know are great for football matches and stuff like that for kids and I think they should stay but there are huge amounts of space and we could rethink them and use them for for growing. Absolutely great idea and let's hope that does happen. Francis you're here to give a couple of talks what talks are you doing here at the the fair? Um, Thrifty gardening so how to how to grow without spending loads of money uh, lots of recycling growing from seed buying bargain plants but also food growing. Brilliant it's been very interesting talking to you Francis feel very inspired now to, (laughs) to start campaigning for more growing spaces. Well, it's just past lunchtime uh, here at the Chelsea Flower Show. And now I'm catching up with Lee Connolly, who is the UK's leading children's gardener educator, who has also got a book called How to Get Kids Gardening and is at the moment championing for children to grow more at school. Lee, it's really lovely to meet you. No, it's lovely to meet you too. It's nice to be here and and nice to be on the podcast. Oh, well, I'm pleased you could come (laughs) on because I think what you're doing is extremely important and it'd be lovely to let more people know what you're doing at the moment. Now, you were just in Westminster last week. Can you explain what you were doing there? Yeah, that sounds really cool, doesn't it? I I love telling people about it. But you know what? I've been doing, like, children's gardening for about 10 years now. And, yeah, we went to Westminster last, last week to talk about young people in horticulture and how we can diversify that as well within the horticulture industry. And, basically, it all came down to curriculum and getting schools gardening, which is what I'm all about. Like, I love children's gardening it's the only thing I've done for the last 10 years and if we want more young people to be in our industry then I believe that we should start in primary school get children gardening get them outside learning Uh, and then yeah sure in secondary school they might lose that a little bit but it's always going to be there and come back to them and for me I left secondary school not even knowing that this was a thing I never didn't know there was a thing called Chelsea I didn't know there was an industry that was gardening and and actually doing it as a living and uh, if we get primary school children gardening then they're going to know about the industry know how to grow their own 
and then we're going to get more young people into our industry in the future. So that's what I went there to talk about, basically. And how was it received? How did it go down? Do you know what? It went really well. I was with uh, Tajan Hayden-Smith and uh, Lily Matthews, who is part of the Young People Horticulture Association, YPHA. It took an hour for us to give evidence, and they asked at the end what our one thing would be to ask the government, and we all said curriculum, and it was beautifully just all come together at the end so it was really good yeah I was nervous don't get me wrong I was nervous but once we got into it that's my passion that's my thing that I was just like I love it so it was quite easy by the end of it but fantastic yeah, cool. really really very cool fantastic that you've, you're doing that what's the next step well to be honest with you for me like I said I've been doing this for 10 years and now I've, I've spoke to so many teachers so many people in primary schools head teachers forest school teachers and uh, I already run a plan called School Garden Success, which gets schools gardening. But now the real big thing is uh, actually speaking to like um, Department of Education, seeing out how we can actually fit it into the education system. I tell you the thing, the biggest problem is, and a, a lot of teachers will tell you this, is that primary school education as it is needs to change totally anyway. And if we can fit gardening into that while they have this big change, then all the better. Because there's so many things that you can fit into education through like horticulture and gardening. There seems a big movement here, particularly this year at the Flower Show, for grow your own, uh, learning how to grow and also to cook the food as well that you grow. And I've noticed just walking around and seeing the various different gardens and exhibits, there are some school children here, primary school children, taking part, which I think is a first for Chelsea. Yeah, it's the first year they've had 100 primary school children who are part of the RHS's campaign for school gardening. And uh, that's special. Like, it really makes a difference. I, have you been to Hampton before? Yes, I have. Yeah, yeah, Hampton's amazing. I love it because, especially on press day, you've got all the kids running around and it brings a real buzz and energy. And I think that's what's happened today for Chelsea. I think we want these young people to be part of this story. They're part of their life, garden to be part of it. And if I'm really honest, like, I'll be honest with you, I thought when they said they're going to have 100 children, I thought all they're going to be here for is the photo shoots and, you know, a bit of PR. But actually, I've seen so many children walking around my best moment today has been seeing a class walking around and they come up to a garden and they all went wow it was oh. i actually i feel like crying like just thinking about it because that is special to them and that is going to be something that they're going to remember forever if i told my daughter she could come to chelsea with her class she'd be so excited it'd be something she'd make a proper memory from and that's what we want for children that's what we want for our industry as well now, you've also been to visit various schools. Uh, a couple of years ago, you did a documentary where you visited various schools to introduce them to gardening. Are you still doing things like that? Yeah, I visit schools all the time, as much as I can, because, one, the, the kids love it, and, and it's great to see the kids enjoying it. But for me especially, like what, what I'm doing and trying to get into education, speaking to those teachers, speaking to the head teachers, speaking to those teachers that sort of stand at the back of the hall when we do like assemblies, I've noticed, I talk to the kids, but I'm watching the teachers' faces. You always see the ones that are not really that interested. And I always try and target them ones at the end to speak to. Because at the end of the day, I feel like, teachers are the ones that are going to have to lead this in the future and we're, we've got to support them as much as possible with funding with information with a bit of direction about where they're going with this sort of thing 
and them teachers that are not so interested, I want to know what, what, what's the thing that's going to get them excited about it because there's some amazing teachers out there that lead gardening in, in schools but you always find that when that teacher leaves then the allotment gets a bit overgrown and a bit run down and if we have all the teachers part of it then that's going to take the pressure off those ones that are sort of leading it and also make sure that continues so the class are always gardening throughout their primary school time. Now you're known as the skinny jean gardener where did that name come from or do I need to ask? <laughs> oh, do you know what it's a really boring story so basically I'm called skinny jean gardener because I garden in skinny jeans but I come about because I was doing a, a pilot for a show some girl come up to me and went oh you know what you should be called you should be called the skinny jean gardener and I went that's a really good idea I'll take that yeah that's a really good and then that's been it the only bad thing about it is I've been honest with you is in the summer very hot <laughs> so hot like I can't you can't be called a skinny short gardener can you probably not no. it was obviously a name that was made up in the winter but, uh, but yeah you know so 10 years in now, I can't change it. You can't. No, no, no. And how many pairs of skinny jeans do you own? I only own three pairs of skinny <laughs> jeans. I'm becoming minimalist this year. So like, I'm trying to like become a bit more... And minimalist in the garden as well. We had so much stuff that I was going to make stuff from. And it never happened. So minimalist in, in clothing, minimalist in garden. I think that's the thing for me this year. Very good. Lee, it's been a pleasure to meet you. Thank you very much. Thanks. Thanks for having me. By complete luck, I have bumped into Daisy Desire here on Main Avenue at the Chelsea Flower Show. Daisy, how are you? I'm very well. How are you? I'm really, really well, thank you. What a great buzz there is today. I know. It's just so joyful as well, isn't it? It's such a lovely day. And I know the sun is not blazing, but I'm quite happy because I'm obviously in full drag and this wig and everything is quite warm. So it's lovely to be out and about and not be sweating, well, my garden <laughs> whatever off. Or, you know. yeah, exactly. But, yeah. You look stunning you look absolutely stunning how many times have you been to the chelsea flower show this will be my third year yes yes it's it's my third chelsea do you know it's it's really really lovely because i think the last two years being kind of new to the industry and in terms of being like a horticulturalist sort of public figure that kind of side of things the last two chelsea's i've always found a little bit of imposter syndrome but in this last last year i've kind of become like an expert horticulturalist and working as one i'm doing talks on many many stages at different flower shows and i kind of feel like i've come into my own finally and that's just me personally so it's it's lovely to be back and it's lovely to kind of be looking at the gardens in a different perspective as well because now I'm looking more into garden design and, and what that looks it's really interesting to kind of study the gardens and see which trends are being set and just what's kind of going on this year you know in the in the planting schemes now I have started to follow you on Instagram and I absolutely love your gardening journey oh, thank you. what interested you in gardening and becoming a horticulturist well, to be honest, it was one of those things where about five years ago, I throwed myself into gardening and I got myself an allotment. And to be honest with you, I'd never gardened before at all in my life, never really put on a gardening glove. And in that first year, I killed basically everything other than a marrow. <laughs> but it was from that first year that I fell in love with horticulture. And like the journey very much began then. And I got made redundant and started working as a gardener. And then I ended up dropping out of uni to, to study horticulture. And it's just kind of, uh, what do I want to encourage people is not necessarily 
ready to drop out of uni become a horticulturalist but just to try gardening because I kind of do think if everyone can get into gardening whether that's you know on, on your windowsill or even if you do have a small back garden or even an allotment it's just I think the world would be a little bit of a better place yeah yeah absolutely Don't you? I do absolutely I think it's so important and now tell me what do you wear when you garden <laughs> what do I wear I do not look like this definitely no I'm definitely I look completely different I'm always in kind of like almost looking like a builder in my steel toe caps my shorts and a t-shirt and usually a cap um but yeah I am definitely I'm not as glamorous when I'm gardening it's it's very much <laughs> there's, there's two different sides to the drag queen garden alive there's literally is the drag queen and then there's the gardener <laughs> but yeah no it's it's fabulous to bring drag into gardening as well because it's just you know gardening is such an art form I mean we're here at Chelsea it's basically the Met Girl or gardening really isn't it and then obviously you know drag is such an art form it's just it's fabulous to combine the two it really is. Do you find that people who, um, people are following you as a result of being uh, Daisy Desire as well as yes. your gardening story? It's, it's really, really interesting because I think I bring a different aspect to gardening. I think in the nicest way, there was this kind of idea of a gardener very much a few years ago where it was, you, if, you, if you said, to, I'm in my 20s and I first started getting into gardening when I was 21. So when I first got into it, this, I, there was an idea of a gardener who was, you know, the old man going down the plot of the allotment. And, you know, I'm clearly not that. I'm very much a 26-year-old lad who's also a drag queen. And it's interesting as well because what I really enjoy is making gardening also a safe space for kind of, you know, for the queer community as, as well. And what's really interesting is a lot of my following are very much of the heterosexual audience. And it's kind of, it's interesting because I want to bring drag to a gardening audience because it also allows people just to inhabit who they are and who they want to be and have no limits, you know, almost like gardening there are no limits to it there's a perception of gardening and a perception of drag is so different to everybody else and I, and I think that's just really interesting don't get me wrong I didn't plan to kind of add the two together and become this sort of figure but it's, it's come this way and I, I, I'm really enjoying it definitely all part of the creativity isn't it absolutely really? and, and there's no limits and I think that's the thing whether you are drag or whether you're gardening or both you've just got to enjoy it enjoy that experience find what you like and just run with it I think Absolutely fabulous message and absolutely fabulous you. Thank you so much for talking to me. Oh, thank you so much. Ha enjoy the show. Thank you. Thank well, I've wandered outside and I've come to the beautiful garden of Lucy Hutchins. Hi, Lucy. Hi. It's nice to have you in the garden. Well, I'm so thrilled to actually be in your garden. I've wandered around and had a look and it's really lovely to be in it because you see it from a different perspective than just walking by on the path. Can you explain what inspired the garden that you've grown here today? Absolutely. So I'm passionate about getting more people to grow food, but generally I find that everything to do with grow your own and food growing is portrayed in a really kind of homespun and traditional image. And that image just doesn't resonate with everyone. It's a lovely thing and for a lot of people they really like it. But how do you get those people that don't aspire to that kind of thing to grow food and I think a lot of ornamental gardeners would fall into that category they really love flowers and they want beauty and they want something ornamental but that image of grow your own just doesn't resonate with them so it was for that reason that I decided to design the garden so it is a fully edible 100% edible ornamental garden so on one hand you've got a load of quite commonly grown garden plants, ornamental, traditionally ornamental garden plants in here that people don't necessarily realise you can eat. And then on the other hand, you have got more traditional, recognisable, conventional vegetable plants in here, but I've selected everything in its most ornamental form, so the most ornamental varieties that you can get, so that 
people start to see the beauty of veg again because I think people just see vegetables they don't see it as a beautiful plant anymore and actually some of these plants are really really beautiful and you can see that on your garden because there is a gorgeous combination mixed in the borders here of all the different plants there's flowers there are other hostas actually I didn't realize you could eat hostas <laughs> what can. part of the hosta can you eat so you would approach a hosta in exactly the same way you would asparagus I have to say that's probably the plant that most people have been surprised about I think because everyone has them and everyone's gone you can eat hostas <laughs> and you can yeah so um an established clamp you'd take a proportion of those initial spears that appear in spring um, tastes quite similar to asparagus I would actually say it tastes slightly better and then the benefit of it as well is for the rest of the year you have a much more attractive plant to look at that's interesting so don't pick the leaves for your salad you can eat the leaves okay. at any time of year but they get a little bit stringy so you're definitely going to do best with those initial spears absolutely fascinating now the garden is called the secret homestead that's right everything you have here you have grown most things so not the trees and the shrubs because that would have been asking a little bit too much of me <laughs> but yes basically over 90 percent of what's in the garden i've grown myself because it you know it's all well and good me saying i want to inspire people to grow food and and that's what i want to inspire with the garden but unless people look at it and feel that it's something that they can actually do it's not going to reach that that goal so I wanted to, to create a garden that yes was beautiful and yes was aspirational but was also achievable for people to do so I decided that I would grow the plants myself I also had a tiny budget so it was kind of partly that and and share that whole journey with people so it's not that it's been easy it has been a real challenge but I've done it and I've done it single-handedly so if I can do it you can do it now, I follow you on Instagram. You have quite a large following on Instagram. You're known as She Grows Veg, and you do indeed grow veg on quite a large scale. I do. I do, I do like a veg plant. <laughs> I grow a lot of food. How long? How long have you been growing? What inspired you to start growing? Well, it's funny because I didn't come from a background in horticulture at all. I guess I'm relatively uh, latecomer to, to horticulture. So I used to work in the fashion industry and I used to be a jewellery designer designing jewellery for people like Cheryl Cole and Kylie Minogue. So a wildly different life to the one I leave right now. And all through that time when I was an art student and when I was working in fashion, I grew some edible plants. I had no interest in anything that was just pretty. It didn't have a use. I wasn't interested. Um, but if you could eat it in one way or another, I just found it really, really inspiring and wanted to have a go. I had no idea what I was doing. <laughs> and I think if you'd asked me at the time, I wouldn't even really have registered it as a hobby. But uh, a few years down the line, I would left fashion because I didn't enjoy what I was doing. And it, it was a, not a good fit for me industry-wise. And I was going through a really stressful period, as we all do from time to time. And so I, I needed something that was really removed from the situation. So it was to, to the growing food that I turned because it was just something that really made me happy. And I love it. And I still do. And I've since then retrained in horticulture and garden design. And I started the Instagram and sharing this whole journey. And it's been, it's been amazing. I've never looked back, I can honestly say. Oh, how brilliant. Well, it's really creative. And that must be your style because it definitely shows in the garden here. Now one thing that is new here at the Gardens World Live is the We Grow stage. Indeed. Which has been inspired by you, I understand. Yeah, so I had a conversation with Garden as well, just because I feel, um, I feel very honoured to be part of the Instagram gardening community. There's an amazing community on, online, and for a whole new set of gardeners, and young gardeners, and young-minded gardeners, because um, I don't think I'm really classed as young anymore, <laughs> but I think it's all in the, the mindset. <laughs> um, 
But, you know, there's an amazing community online and that's their go-to to a lot of people. They don't start with the gardening books and they don't start with watching the, the TV programmes. They start with social media gardening and that's where they get their knowledge from, from people just sharing their experiences, which is a really lovely thing. So what I wanted to do was create a place which acknowledged this amazing community of new growers and gave them a place to come and, and meet in real life and also hear people who are well respected from that background from social media and talking about subjects that are really really important to our community the things that we really want to learn about so i'm really really excited that we've managed to put it together <laughs> the lineup looks incredible it's right next door to your garden hay bales are there looking very welcoming so lucy congratulations on a number of levels and also the garden has been awarded a, a silver award which is brilliant <laughs> honestly enjoy the show i really hope it's hugely successful for you and i look forward to listening to the talks on the stage as well Thank you so much. It's lovely to chat with you. We've come into the Floral Marquee here at the Hampton Court Palace Garden Festival and we've met up with the Beardy Gardener, otherwise known as Lee Johnstone. Hello, hello Lee. Hello, hello. Good to see you. Good to see you too. The garden looks lovely. Thank you. I'm really pleased with it. First time, didn't know what to expect. Didn't know what plants I was going to get until Saturday lunchtime. How did that come about? Well, the idea of the garden is called the Giving Garden. So it's a replica of what I did during lockdown, which was two raised beds. And I was growing annuals for people uh, who were going through a bit of a tough time with their mental health because I have a, a background of poor mental health, childhood trauma, etc. And it, the garden was my escape really during lockdown. But I wanted to share that with people. I was very conscious as well of people not having space and I wanted to grow something for someone that maybe didn't have access to a garden. So the idea is that everything is given. The raised beds have been given, all the plants were given by as many different nurseries in the marquee as, as would lend me stuff. So it was a challenge because I didn't know what the planting style was going to be until literally two days ago. So I've just thrown it together but I think it looks really good. The arch is, is um, given, all of the metal work was given. So yeah, I'm, I'm really proud and, and it's been a team effort really. The garden is called The Giving Garden. Yeah. What can people get from this garden when they come here at the show? So there's, there's various different levels of giving. So wildflower strip around the edge, that's about giving to nature. Got obviously the plants given in the raised beds there, they're people giving to me as inspiration. The, the quote on the arch is, as you pass through, ask yourself, how do I feel today? So that's giving meaning, but also giving people the time to pause and reflect and just connect with themselves, because we often don't do that in the modern busy world. We'll also be giving um, out free seeds. So that's about giving people inspiration and hoping to get them interested in growing something and also finally we'll be doing nominations with people at the show so that the, the original giving garden was about i would write a, a label up for the person that had been nominated and stick it next to the plant and we'll be doing that throughout show week as well i think mental health you you touched on it you know you suffered yourself i think gardening is such a fantastic escape for people isn't it totally and for me it's about connecting with something bigger and when I'm having those days where I'm really not feeling great, gardening puts things into perspective for me. But also it slows me down, which is what I need sometimes on those days where my head is just all over the place. I, I run an allotment and so many people during lockdown wanted space, didn't have space, wanted to get out into the gardens. Obviously, you know, the government said we could use our allotments, didn't they? Mm -hmm. And go into the garden space. And a lot of people have said to me, it was genuinely a life save. And that's what I say. The gardening did save my life because if I didn't have it in that moment, especially when all that trauma came flooding back when we were sort of trapped inside our houses if i hadn't have had the garden i, I don't know i don't right. know what would have happened 
the response obviously was quite a surprise to you when you first set up your giving garden. How many people have, have contacted you? Last year was the first year. I probably did about 20 nominations. This year we've had over, I think it's between 70 and 80, but also we're doing a national grow-along. So we've got 50 mini giving gardens across the UK. So we sent out plant labels and seeds. So people are doing that. Obviously this one here will potentially have hundreds of people, but also people just want to give whether that's seeds or time or, in some cases, money, which I wasn't asking for, but, but you know, just to help cover postage and things like that. So people have been extremely generous. The and multicultural world's like that. Though, it is. It? It's such a great community, and I hosted a stage in this floor marquee last year and met a load of people, and we've all become friends. And we're just... It's a, it's a wonderful, wonderful group of people here. Now, how do you see the garden growing? Are you pleased that this has taken this direction that so many people have embraced it yeah i, I want to create well-being spaces for people i was lucky enough to to do a public giving garden for a shopping center in basingstoke near where i live and i want to do more of that i want i want people to have access to spaces that make them feel good so hopefully that might take off who knows i'm just riding a fun wave i think it's a brilliant concept and i think it's a lovely garden a fantastic idea if someone's listening to this now and they'd like to be involved or they'd like to nominate a plant for someone how can they get hold of you so website is thegivinggarden.co.uk but also on social media it's at beardy gardener it's absolutely beautiful i hope you have a lovely week here I've come to BBC Gardener's World Autumn Show at Audley End House and Gardens and I'm thrilled to be meeting with Lucy Chamberlain, Kelly Fowler and Gemma Sturgis who together have designed the most beautiful garden called an edible garden through time. Hello, all three of you. <laughs> Hello. <laughs> Lovely to meet you too. We actually stood right by the garden here. It's beautiful. Congratulations because the garden has recently been awarded with a platinum award and also the best in show of the show gardens here. How does that make you feel, Kelly? Yeah, we, I think we're probably a bit overwhelmed, excited. It was our first time doing it. So, yeah, very happy, of course, and slightly tired from the build, but very, very happy. Now, this garden has three parts to it. Can you explain a bit more? about what those are Lucy please. Yeah of course so that was the initial concept of the garden then we drew up a design to try and embrace our ideas. So the first zone is a Victorian zone and I'll, I'll let Gemma and Kelly talk about that. Then we have a 1968 zone which is all to do with the first year that Gardener's World was broadcast so we thought that would tie in really nicely with the, with the show and the final zone is a modern zone depicting how modern day gardeners would grow their own food. What we've done we've tried to represent different landscaping techniques, different growing methods different varieties to showcase those particular grow your own eras. That's interesting because gardening has changed and evolved over time. Now Kelly and Gemma, you both work here at Audley End, You're in the garden here, in the walled garden. How long have you both worked here? I've worked here for nearly four years and Gemma? I've been here a mere 12 years. Now, this walled garden, I understand, is one of the top walled gardens to visit in the UK and it's had some renovations in the last 20 years or so. Gemma, how has the garden here evolved over the years that you've been here? I think it's changed enormously actually. I mean we've had to move from a more highly intensive model with lots of annuals such as lettuces, you know, big successions to a more perennial scheme. I mean I think the reality is a lot of historic gardens now um, are much smaller in terms of staff resource than they would have been in their heydays when they might have had, you know, 20 or so gardeners and now it's, it's possibly like three for instance in our wall garden. So we've really had to change the model. Also thinking about elements like climate change, how gardens are getting hotter and hotter and, and some of those varieties that we may have grown even up to about six, seven years ago are becoming increasingly difficult and that obviously informed the garden that you created here for the show Kelly 
yeah, with our inspiration from that and um, going through the different time periods, we thought it'd be nice to kind of showcase a bit of Audley at the um, Autumn Fair here. So we've kind of taken our inspiration from the Audley and Kitchen Garden and used some of the uh, heritage varieties that we're familiar with and kind of got into the style um, using lots of props from Audley End, so to give people a bit of a taste of the Victorian Wall Garden here as well. Was there a lot of research that went into this garden then, Lucy, before it actually came to be what it is today? Yeah, honestly, lots of research and that was really fun. You know, looking at the history and deciding what props to use and what varieties to use was great. And we also, we must thank the people that have supported us, the sponsors, because we've got five companies that have provided either props or, you know, items to help enrich and tell that story so the visitors can really connect to the garden in a nostalgic way. For example, we've got Forest Garden who've provided this wonderful greenhouse for us. We've got Fandango, which has given us a fire pit for the modern garden to sort of showcase outdoor dining in the modern day. Crocus have provided us with some wonderful props. Mr. Fothergill's, a lot of the varieties of the vegetables are from Mr. Fothergill's and the dahlias and verbena venarientis too. And also the, the wonderful um, stepover pears which surround the edge of the Victorian garden, which demonstrate that wonderful fruit training method that they used to use. They've been provided by Ken Muir, which is an Essex nursery, so that's a nice connection to have as well. I love the stepovers. They're one of my favourite things. So what are the contrasts between the three gardens? I think space is something that we really wanted to demonstrate with the design. So obviously a Victorian wall kitchen garden is huge and the one here at Audley is massively sizable and impressive. It's wonderful. So that's depicting a large area. So we've given a lot of space to that. Equally, the 68 garden also has got a lot of room to it. Because if you buy bungalows, which are very popular in the 60s, they often have wraparound gardens, large lawn areas. So that's what we're trying to demonstrate there. And the modern garden is, is very compact. And that was our mindset entirely for choosing the varieties. Um, we've got obviously lots of hard landscaping there, lots of containers, compact plants, things like disease resistance as well, which have been bred into things like tomatoes to fight against blight, which can be quite a destructive disease. That is something that we sh- we're showcasing as well. So having the historical references all throughout those three zones has really steered our, our way that we've designed the garden. Now I have to ask, if there was a fourth garden, a futuristic garden, what do you think would be in that garden then, Gemma? I think I would grow a garden full of Malabar spinach and lots of interesting tubers. Gardens are getting warmer and they're getting more complicated. I think budgets are tight. So we have to really think about, you know, as we've tried to link into these gardens, growing in different spaces. I think really thinking about crops for the future. I think interesting edibles because there's a whole abundance of wonderful leaves that aren't on people's plates at the moment. The kind of plants that were actually really exciting for us and actually from plot to plate. Yes, I've heard recently the talk regarding perennial vegetables. You mentioned those earlier. Are you finding that's also becoming informed in your gardening here? Uh, actually, yeah, we, we've just planted out a new um, perennial vegetable area. So it's a combination of all of our traditional Victorian crops, such as sea kale, artichokes, rhubarb, that kind of thing, but more unusual edibles like mushroom plant, again, unusual leaves, that kind of thing. So it is crops for the future, but actually are quite historic crops. So again, things that will give us longevity for 10 to 20 years rather than over an annual life cycle. Really interesting. And there's also a lot of talk about soil health. Is that something you have to contend with here in the gardens? Yeah, so in the in the wall garden here, we are Soil Association Organic. So we produce a lot of our own compost. So we produce up to about 80 tonnes a year of our own compost. So every winter, we do dig over our beds to single digging because I know digging can be relatively controversial. But we do actually have a bit of a bind problem in the wall garden. So we've found we have experimented with things like no dig on certain beds and it just hasn't worked for us because we've always got to think about the presentation for the visitors as well as, you know, filling the beds and keeping it 
it productive because we supply a local box scheme. So we're always experimenting. We always use sort of soil association methods, really good compost, really try and make our plants as healthy as we can. And that's kind of how we tackle that, really. And also here as well, you're quite active in, in using a lot of heritage varieties. Why is that important? The uh, wall garden was started out by Garden Organic here when it was restored in 2000. So originally for the first sort of 12, 13 years of the garden here at Audley End, the wall garden, I mean, it was run by Garden Organic. So after that, it was taken over by English Heritage. And what we've done recently is kind of restore that link with Garden Organic and the Heritage Seed Library by having a seed saving border. So it's really important. We've started saving lots of our own seeds. You know, it's, it's good for the environment. It's good for your wallet as well. But it's also really good to keep all those diverse varieties available because different companies don't necessarily produce the same plants every year. It depends what's popular. And, and by saving your own varieties, you've always got access to those interesting different varieties. Handy tips. Well, it's been wonderful to meet the three of you. Thank you very much. And congratulations again. Looking forward to seeing maybe what you're going to create next year. <laughs> Well, it was a great year, Steve, wasn't it? We were so lucky. We had a great time with growing together. We have. We had a really good year. We've been very lucky with the weather and met some fantastic people on the way. We hope you've enjoyed our journey too and looking forward to you joining us this year as well. So we'll be back in mid-January. Look forward to speaking to you then. Until then, happy gardening. Growing Together is new twice a month and supported by DeMello and Company. Financial advice for you, your family and your future. Get the latest editions of Growing Together at any time at shineradio.uk. Made by volunteers in Petersfield, this is Shine Radio. Oh, it's like being in a little family. Um, I love the community spirit. I like coming out to events like this. This is my first event with Shine. I'm honing in on my editing skills right now. I've been allowed free reign of the controls this weekend. And yeah, I'm just learning loads of new skills, being able to broadcast, interview. It's really good. Petersfield's Shine Radio. You make it shine. Call Petersfield 555 500 or email team at shineradio.uk. 